We all want to get a ticket to that game or that concert that we've desperately, desperately been trying to get to. And now with the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can get to whatever event you would like to attend. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even easier, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and sporting events to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite event right now enter promo code kickoff at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. It's a new football season. Le'Veon Bell is with the New York Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But one thing hasn't changed, and that is that my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, you can double your first deposit with a first deposit bonus worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim your bonus. You bet. You win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am your host for this episode, David Harrison. And I'm actually the only one on this episode, so you're going to be stuck with me here for about the next 20 to 30 minutes. I hope you'll be okay with that. Before we get started, I just want to let you know this episode is brought to you in part by DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked on. This is going to be a voicemail episode, guys. You guys have sent uh, a lot of voicemails in this week, which of course we appreciate. But with the short week, with the game being tonight, as you listen to this episode, uh, we just we don't have the days in the week that we need to to get all of them in and get our preview episode in. So, if you checked out the preview episode with Evan Winter and I, I greatly appreciate it. This episode obviously dropped after that one because we wanted to get your voicemails uh, answered. So. Here we go. I'm going to do my best to uh, to answer all your guys' questions and, and respond to what you have to say. So let's go ahead and uh, get it started. Hey, guys. Uh, your buddy Jim, South Carolina, South Kakalagi, uh, also known as your medical correspondent. But I'm calling about the whole Caleb Beninock being released. Now, I heard on Ian Beckles' podcast that Jason Light told him that, oh, we had teams calling about trading for Caleb Barrock. But no, no, no. They don't trade him. He releases them. Now, 
there are, have to be teams, certain teams in the NFL are going, man, we need to get a dependable tackle, a backup tackle. No, there's no trade. He just gets released. And we don't know who the Bucks are signing right now. And this is Monday night when I'm calling you guys, okay? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Jason Light. You told Ian Beckles, unless Ian Beckles is lying, which I find hard to believe, all right, that teams were interested in trading for him. And I don't care if it's a sixth-round pick. Fine, get a draft pick. Cool. Whatever. But no, he gets he just gets released. After one game? Like, wait a minute. Okay, so what was said to DeMar Dotson after DeMar Dotson gets two holding pennies in the freaking red zone? And if I'm Cameron Bree, you know what I'm doing? I'm calling 911 after the game because I got robbed for two touchdowns. Two! Okay? Thanks, DeMar. All right. I, I, I don't understand what the heck is going on with this team. I don't know it's only one game. We don't want to say, well, it's just one game. But, listen, they're coming close to me this Thursday night. You guys know I live in South Carolina, but I'm close to the Carolina border, okay? I'm just hoping and praying that they show up and show out. And, as always, go Bucks. All right, Jim, we appreciate your call, of course, as always. So, Caleb Beninock waved on Tuesday to uh, help make room for a new offensive line signing that the Buccaneers brought in. And listen, I would say that this has probably been a move that's been kind of in the making. I don't think that the Buccaneers have been happy with Caleb Beninock. Obviously, Bruce Arians, as we got towards the end of training camp preseason and close to the regular season, talked pretty extensively and was pretty open about how he was dissatisfied about the depth on the offensive line and the quality of the players they had on the offensive line. And I can tell you from witnessing it firsthand at training camp, witnessing it firsthand when they had the Dolphins in town, uh, I have zero argument against what Bruce had been saying and, and what he's been doing. And I think the timing of this, honestly, though, has more to do with Gerald Hawkins than it has to do with Caleb Beninock. And, and what I mean by that is Gerald Hawkins, essentially, from from the way I'm kind of reading the, the way that this is playing out, right? This is not inside information or I'm not getting this from anybody specific, but just kind of the way I'm reading this whole thing playing out. Gerald Hawkins essentially was brought in here to be the first tackle off the bench, whereas Caleb Beninock was the first tackle off the bench. Now I think the team is more comfortable with Gerald. I think that the team is more comfortable with what he's going to bring to the field. He's had some time to get into the system, get into the language, work with these with these offensive linemen, work with the coaches. So I think the timing of this has more to do with Gerald Hawkins catching up and getting up to speed with what the Buccaneers are doing more than does Caleb Beninock because I feel like they brought Gerald Hawkins in to replace Caleb Beninock. Now, as far as the trade is concerned, that conversation, as far as I'm aware, unless there's been more since then, happened in mid to late August. Um, obviously, we're, we're in September now. I don't, I don't have to tell you that. But what teams are willing to trade for in mid to late August versus what they're willing to trade for in September are two completely different things. And... At the time when teams are calling Jason Light about Caleb Beninock during training camp when there's 90 men in camp, there's a possibility, as far as they know, that the Buccaneers are going to keep Caleb Beninock into the regular season. Jason Light, following week one, goes back and calls these teams and says, hey, you wanted to trade for Caleb Beninock before. How about you trade for him now? There's a pretty good indication that they're not that the Buccaneers are not keeping Caleb Beninock. So if they're still interested in, in, in Caleb they really don't have a whole lot of reason to pay for him other than, well, if we pay you for him, we don't have to worry about somebody else scooping him up. Um, and and if, when you're talking about a backup tackle that still needs development and all that stuff, 
teams may not be willing to do that heading into week two of their regular season. So, so you don't know the market fluctuation is. And again, I mean, who know? I don't know what teams we're talking to Jason about trading for him. Some of those teams, you know, uh, you know, teams like the Patriots were kind of moving pieces around. Some of those teams that were calling Jason may have found other pieces to fill in the gaps they were trying to fill in when Jason told them no about Caleb because at the time, let's be honest, even as deficient as Caleb Benenock is as a as a as a sixth man, if you want to call him that, for the offensive line. Out of the other options, he's still the best one. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of just a corner that they're they're kind of painted into there. And again, this is just speculation, guys. But that's the way it kind of seems to have played out to me. We're we're more than twenty four hours past Caleb Benenock being waived. Caleb Benenock hasn't been claimed. Well, that right there explains to you why Jason Light didn't trade him for a draft pick because teams obviously aren't interested. I mean, if if they're not picking him up on the waiver wire for free, then they're obviously not going to give up draft picks for him. You know what I mean? So. I understand the frustration. Obviously, the offensive line is, is a sore topic for a lot of people. But just speaking specifically about why the timing of the Caleb Benenock release versus earlier, especially when he's being offered draft picks, uh, it kind of stays the same way. Um, I, I remember hearing that report as well, and I had the same reaction that a lot of people did, is that if Jason Light's being offered draft picks, why is Caleb Benenock still in Tampa? That could be the reason. Again, I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be asking Jason directly about it, but there, that's that's probably the closest thing to to a realistic answer that we have there for that. So, Jim, uh, sorry for the frustration, man. Um, hopefully, the the Bucks can get you a little bit happier here Thursday night. Uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, I was able to to maybe bring a little bit of perspective to that. So, moving on, we've got another call from South Carolina. Hey there, James. Um, this is Jacob from South Carolina. I'm a born and bred Bucks fan since the day I was born for 25 years. Whole family is. Anyways, I just wanted to call about a couple good points and just a couple all right points. What I wanted to start off with is good points, our defense. I haven't seen a defense that fast and that hard-hitting in years. So that's a good point. Now, is it perfect? No, but we have time to settle that out. And I am excited about this Bucks defense being what it used to be. Two. Um, running game, Rojo, fantastic. Peyton, he was serviceable, you know. And like y'all said earlier, our receivers, yes, we have elite receivers, but they did miss some keys. It's a new offense they got to learn. So, really, Bucks fans got to be patient. We got to be patient here. It takes time. You have to trust the process. Now, I will say this about Winston. I'm a big Winston supporter. But you can't coach some things out of a player. Kind of like Cam Newton reverts back to his old throwing motion last game when they got down on the ramp. Who says we can coach Winston that that running, trying to make a playability out of Winston because that's what made him him back in Florida State in his rookie year was how he could make something work. So that's the only place I'm worried about is if we can actually coach that out of Winston. But Over and all, even though we took a nail, I'm very pleased with our Buccaneers this past weekend. Now, it's going to take some time, but we just got to be patient, Bucs fans. Again, thank you for letting me call. Go Bucs. All right, Jacob, appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, patience. Uh, I think that's that's a good that's a good virtue to have right now if you're a Buccaneers fan. Uh, James and I have kind of talked about it throughout the week and, and since the game. You know, it's it's week one. Uh, well, we're going into week two, but it's only been one week. There's only been one game. 
and, and you know, we've, we've all got to give it kind of time to, to see everything come together again, talking about the preseason, you know, these, these teams come out and it's, it's across the NFL. They don't come out and, and expose their full system. They don't come out and do the full and execute the full arsenal of plays that they have at their disposal and everything that they're trying to install and everything they're trying to do. And when you talk about a team that has a first year offense, that's installing a new system and a new scheme with their team. Honestly, I mean, you're not like this team isn't even completely where they want to be as far as just understanding the scheme itself within the building, let alone executing it all and executing it all flawlessly because repetition is important in that whole in that whole thing. And yeah, they practice a lot, you know, during training camp and all that stuff. But we've we've talked about it before. I know many outlets have talked about it before. They're not going 100. percent You're not across. You know, when you're a cornerback playing up playing against a wide receiver, yeah, there's going to be some bump and there's going to be some touch and stuff like that. But you're not going to go out there. You're not trying to take each other's jobs. You're not out there trying to to you know to to lay each other out, so on and so forth. And those things change uh, the dynamic of the play, and those things change the dynamic of how you're executing. So. It's not unusual if you watched uh, more than just the Buccaneers game this week, uh, this past week, you saw a lot of rough uh, football from across the, the National Football League. And something that I noticed is some of the roughest football came from some teams that are installing new offenses that have some new new pieces in there that they're trying to get used to. So it just it just kind of seems like a trend there. Some of the uncharacteristic things, you know, and, and when when you're dealing with this type of situation, that's where those uncharacteristic mistakes really can't come out. So when you talk about O.J. Howard having a fumble in the red zone, O.J. Howard getting two hands on a pass and, and tipping it right into the hands of a defender. Those are uncharacteristic. We all love O.J. Howard. We all think O.J. Howard can be, you know, the next great thing in the NFL as far as tight ends are concerned. And he's got the potential to reach all those expectations. But this is the type of game, this is the type of situation where you do have an offense that's so young in this scheme when you have a team that's getting used to this full playbook and, and these calls and everything where you just can't have those types of mistakes because those are things that are going to kind of magnify all the struggles you're already going to have just from trying to get comfortable in your new system. Some call it an excuse. Some call it what it is. It, it just, at the end of the day, guys, that's just how it works. That's just what it is. If this team can come out and execute without the uncharacteristic mistakes, right? Mike Evans not executing a hot read. Peyton Barber running too deep on a route. O.J. Howard, again, not not bringing in a ball that he's got two hands on. DeMar Dotson, you know, being penalty happy there for a period of time, costing the team two touchdowns. If those things stop, if, if these players get back to just f- executing the basic fundamentals that they know how to execute, it'll make the, the process of getting used to this new scheme and learning this new scheme and getting comfortable in the new scheme a lot better, a lot easier, and it'll happen a lot faster. So, that's the first thing that that's honestly like for me personally, that's what I'm looking for in the Carolina game. First and foremost is can these some of these players who made some uncharacteristic mistakes clean those up in a short turnaround coming in Thursday night? Because if they clean those up, then I think we'll see a better product. Whether that leads to a win or not is still to be determined. But, you know, I think the first things first is guys doing what they're able to do and we know they can do consistently before we worry about is the scheme itself working because you have to have the first one before you have the second one. So again, Jacob, uh, appreciate the call, man. And uh, we're going to move on here to the next voicemail. Joe from Ocala again, uh, following up with my message yesterday. And uh, yeah, James, no, I actually agreed with you with your comments about Winston. I was, I felt the same way. I didn't want you to think that I was, you know, I was disagreeing with you getting upset about it, but I was too. Um, I did want to ask you, Guys, what you thought about um, 
you know, Rick Stroud said that BA said that most of the picks except for the last one weren't his fault. You know, what your thoughts about that was and my voicemail yesterday, um, one of the other questions I know it was a long one, it was a lot of information, but um if James has a great game on Thursday, James, is your confidence restored in him or are you still iffy about it? Um I don't know how I feel about that either. Go Bucks. All right, Joe. Uh, appreciate you calling back. Uh, happy to hear from you again, of course. And I'll tell you, man, from for the interceptions, um, James and I both agree that the O.J. Howard interception, absolutely 100% not on Jameis. That's 100% on O.J. I understand on the stat sheet and on your fantasy team, if you had Jameis in there as your quarterback, it's going to count against you. It's going to count against him, and it'll go down in history as one of his interceptions. And that's fine. But – when you're talking about a realistic execution, you know, football X's and O's standpoint, James put the ball where he needed to put it. OJ put his hands where he needed to put them. He just uh, didn't bring in the pass. And then, of course, it, you know, floated very nicely into the arms of an awaiting defender. As far as, as the one with Peyton Barber, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's all kind of in the eye of the, of the beholder, I guess. I mean, I understand Peyton ran the route too deep. And looking at it again with the context of what Bruce Arians said about that play, had had Peyton run his route correctly, then the ball would have been exactly where he needed it to be uh, for Peyton to make that play. Um, first, first things first, honestly, is the hot route. You know what I mean? Uh, Jameis, Jameis calls a hot route. Mike either doesn't hear it, doesn't understand it, or just doesn't execute it. Which you know, whichever of the three happens. And, and looking back on that play, it honestly looks to me that immediately, you know, as the ball is snapped, Jameis is looking at Mike waiting for that that hot route you know to be executed and when it's not that's when his eyes kind of come up look at the oncoming blitzer and then tries to fire the ball out to where Peyton was supposed to be you know so so that's where things kind of went wrong because Peyton wasn't where he was supposed to be the ball went to where it was supposed to be where he was supposed to be and then Richard Sherman took advantage of the opportunity uh took it back to the house for a touchdown now me personally I mean it, no shade to Peyton Barber but honestly uh I I don't I, I I would prefer, <laughs> I guess is a way to put it, that my quarterback doesn't target Peyton Barber uh, as, as a wide receiver, especially going up against Richard Sherman. Now, that's just me. I mean, Coach Arians, Coach Leftwich, obviously they made the call. Obviously they put the play in there. They put Peyton in that formation so they feel comfortable with it. So, you know, who am I to question who they're comfortable with catching passes or not? Uh, bottom line is if Peyton executes that route, I still kind of go, huh, they just threw to Peyton Barber against Richard Sherman, but if he catches the ball and he gains yards with it, I mean, we don't, we're not arguing with it, right? We're not sitting here. We might say we wouldn't have done it, but you can't sit here and argue with the results, right? So um, whether or not that's Jameis's fault or not, I mean, he's, he's under pressure. He's throwing into his primary read, again, where his primary read should have been and it would have worked. So I guess I can't really blame Jameis for that interception so much, but again, stat-wise, it's still going to go against him, and I'm still not really all that comfortable with the entire – uh, situation all you know to begin with the last one yeah that's that's purely on Jameis um you know whether whether it's a, it's a byproduct of, of his gunslinger mentality his determination to be successful you know uh, the fact that they're down a touchdown with less than three minutes on the clock so he doesn't want to throw the ball away he wants to try to make a play for his team whatever the reasoning is I'm sure that sure that Jameis's heart and mind and and intentions and all that were in the right place but at the end of the day you you run a screen uh, you know, you have that internal clock kind of coming in. You see those defenders bearing down on you. If your running back isn't free of traffic, it's it's a ground ball every day, uh, all day, every day. 
I don't expect that we'll see James make that mistake again. Um, I hope we don't see James make that mistake again. So if I'm if I'm pressed, I would say one and a half of those interceptions were his fault. I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer for you, but that's what I would say. As far as whether or not confidence in James can be restored with a solid outing on Thursday, I kind of mentioned it earlier in the week. I'm not really worried about Jameis because I, I already feel like I know who Jameis is. He's a gunslinger who's going to take risks, who is bound and determined on every snap to make a play for his team, and he's got some accuracy issues. The further down the field he goes, the more his accuracy issues show themselves. So for me, I know who Jameis is. What I'm looking for is a coach who has the ability to harness all of those traits about Jameis Winston, put him in a position, put him in a mindset that allows him to use those things as positives for his team versus the times like that screen pass where they turn into negatives. And again, that is a process and that is a new process that Bruce Arians is just starting. And I I understand some people get frustrated because he's a fifth year quarterback. So why are we still talking about his development? Well, we're talking about his development in this, in this arena. We're talking about his development as a mental quarterback. We're talking about his decision-making. We're talking about the way that he processes the field. He's getting this education from a new set of coaches. So you have to be patient with it. There has to be a process involved. You know, it's 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 not dissimilar to learning a new language, you know, and so there's going to take time. But that's what I'm looking for. It's not so much I'm worried about Jameis. I know what Jameis is capable of. I know what Jameis's ceiling is. The question is, is there a coach out there that can get him to that ceiling? It's the whole take a, take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Jameis Winston may now be getting all of the right information. He may now be playing in a scheme that accentuates his talents and his abilities. But is Jameis Winston going to take all of the information in the proper way and then turn it back out into productivity or not? That's the question, right? The ability isn't the question. It's the execution of it. So that's what we have to wait and see. Um, As far as James, I asked him that question for you, Joe. And basically, even a strong outing out of Jameis Winston Thursday night isn't necessarily going to restore his confidence in him completely. And here's what he sent me. He said, this is coming from James. He said, I need to see consistency. A string of games put together without the dumb mistakes or timely turnovers. I need to see him outperform his opponents, not just escape by the skin of his nose. And I agree with that. Jameis Winston is going to be a quarterback that is prone to bad decisions until he's not a quarterback that's prone to bad decisions. And you'll know when that comes. You'll know when that comes because – when these types of things happen, like when Jameis throws a pass up over a group of defenders, you won't get nervous anymore because let's all be honest, go back to that play. When Jameis Winston threw that screen pass, tell me y'all didn't get nervous. Tell me someone out there didn't get nervous because I know I did. As soon as that ball went in the air, I surveyed the scene real quick, looked at what I looked at what was going on on the field, and immediately that feeling came back. When that feeling starts to go away, that's when you know Jameis Winston is starting to become the quarterback that I think every Bucks fan wants him to become. And no, that's not going to happen in one game. So uh, again, Joe, appreciate the call. And then we're going to move on real quick to the last voicemail. Dave, Yarcho, what's your brother Lou from Port Richie? Listen, man, um, i got a quick question, man. Do uh, you think that the troubles with uh, the 49ers, was that more – the play calling or was it Jameis Winston decision making or was it a little bit of both my next question is do you believe that Rojo should be the starting running back I mean I don't believe Peyton Barber instills any fear in any of defenses and you know at least with Rojo you know he's got the threat 
to take it to the house on any given play, my personal opinion, Rojo should be starting all day. But that's just me. What do you think, guys? All right, Lou, appreciate the call. Um, as far as the problems in San Francisco, uh, it's, that's an execution thing, man. I mean, I know play calling. Some people, you know, it's a mixed bag with Byron Leftwich and his, his play calling and everything. Some people have kind of wondered if his, his game plan itself wasn't almost a little vanilla. And, again, I think a lot of this has is a consequence of the fact that these guys don't get to run their full system, their full scheme out against live competition during the preseason. Um, I think a lot of that is kind of a residual effect of that because if you're Byron Leftwich as an offensive coordinator, you're working with this offense, this is the first time you're seeing your offense play a full game against a full live opponent, first team against first team for an entire hour-long football game, right? So how confident are you and how, how free do you feel to really open up the playbook in week one because you haven't seen your team execute everything in your playbook against live opponents yet. You just haven't. So I think week one and, and you you kind of come in and you say, okay, here's what I think we do really well and here's how we match up really well against this defense. And let's be honest, it worked. It worked very well. I mean, Peyton had some some decent gains there in, in the first part of the game. Uh, the Buccaneers got into the red zone and then again, some of the execution problems came in. Like, I don't, I don't personally hold Byron Leftwich accountable for the Buccaneers not scoring in the red zone when a pass is or a play is called, a receiver in the play design comes free and open, a quarterback delivers the pass, and the ball gets deflected by the receiver into a defender's hands. I'm not putting that on Byron Leftwich, right? If that if that pass had been completed, OJ makes the catch, he goes down. You know, he's probably not running that into the end zone, but he gets tackled. And then from then on, the offense stalls because Byron can't find a play that manipulates the defense properly or whatever, whatever. Then, okay, I'm like, hmm, that wasn't you know a very strong series for an offense coordinator. They come down the field again. They get into striking distance again. They score twice. Not only do they score twice, they score twice with the same receiver. Cameron Bray scores two touchdowns. Twice the play is negated by a penalty. Um, again, I'm not putting that on Byron Leftwich because twice he showed he not only had plays in the playbook that were able to score touchdowns against that defense. He not only had those plays, but he called those plays. Not only did he call those plays, but they worked. You know, I mean, now I know one was a little bit more of a you know there was scrambling and everything, but that still goes back to coaching, like what those players are doing in the scramble drills while while the, the play is kind of like the play has run its course. The routes have all kind of been run to completion. What those players do once they've done that and the quarterback is still alive and the play is still alive goes back to coaching. So what they're doing is running around, and Jameis Winston made a decision there, and he put the ball where only Cambray could get it. If Cambray wasn't going to get it, nobody was going to get it. Cambray got it. There was a penalty. All right? So as far as I'm concerned, that's an offense coordinator putting his team in a position to be successful. It just didn't work out. They go down. Chris Godwin gets a touchdown. Um, again, the Peyton Barber, you know, Richard Sherman interception. I mean, we've talked to this to death. You know what I mean? If, if Peyton executes the route properly, that's probably a completion. Not a big play, but it's it's a successful play as far as gaining yards. So, I mean, if you look at it, this team had the opportunity to put up two more touchdowns on this San Francisco team. And if they do that, then you're looking at, what, 21, 24? 24 points for the Bucks when you enter the fourth quarter. And if you take away that pick six – then the, the the 49ers are sitting at, what, 10, 13 points or so? Somewhere around that neighborhood probably. So with three minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter, you're not throwing a screen pass to Dara Gumbawale. You're 
running the ball or you're throwing, you know, maybe a wide receiver screen or something. You're not trying because the screen pass is in in a lot of ways a trick play trying to get yards, trying to catch a, a defense being too aggressive or or being too lax in their in their coverage. So you're not really trying to do those things in that situation when you're up by multiple scores. And that's what the Buccaneers could theoretically have been in had those players executed what Byron was asking them to execute. Um, if, th- if that makes sense. And again, it's a lot of what ifs. We don't actually know what would have happened. But I mean, because OJ Howard catches that pass and the very next play, James Wins could have made a bad decision throwing an interception. You know what I mean? So so it's all what ifs. But what I'm looking at from, from Byron's standpoint is did the team have the opportunities to execute and be successful? And my answer is yes. Um, so that's where I'm sitting with it. As far as Peyton Barber and Rojo, no, I don't think Rojo should be the starter in the sense that he's the guy who's going to kind of get the motor running on the running game. I think that this running game looks really good with Peyton kind of coming in, delivering some of those early body blows, and then Rojo can come in and he can be the right hook. Um, I like the way that looks right now. Until Rojo shows the ability to be a little bit more physical uh, at the line of scrimmage as a runner, until he shows the ability to be a little bit better as a pass protector, um, I don't think he necessarily needs to be the primary guy. Um, I would like to see almost kind of like, you know, a, a pretty even like if the if the Buccaneers run the ball or and get their running backs involved on 30 snaps in a game, I'd almost like to see almost like a 12-12-6 split between uh, Peyton Rojo and Dare because I think they all bring something unique to the field um, and they can be utilized to to manipulate a, dif- a defense uh, if that if that makes sense. All right, guys, that's pretty much all the time that we have now. Um, again, we're getting ready for the Panthers game. Hopefully, you've already listened to our game preview that dropped earlier today. If you haven't, by all means, please go ahead and do that. James and I greatly appreciate I mean, you guys have been on point all offseason uh, and preseason with the voicemails, and then especially now with the season getting underway. I mean, we got, what, like a dozen, 12, 15 voicemails uh, just during week one, uh, pregame, postgame, and now uh, leading into the Panthers game alone. Keep them coming, guys. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. We cannot drop two double episode days every single week throughout the season, but we will get to as many as we can. So, guys, enjoy the game. Hopefully, we can talk to you again on Friday about a Buccaneers win. If not, even if they lose, we'll still be here to uh, to talk it out and try to figure out what went wrong or what went right and how the team can get better moving forward. We want to hear all your thoughts, of course. So, if you don't already have the number, please call in to 813-444-5841. Again, if you're not familiar uh, we announced on one of our more recent episodes that we are doing another giveaway this year for you guys. You guys make the show a ton of fun to do. You guys are the reasons the sponsors keep paying us to do this stuff. So we want to kind of kind of pay that forward and give that back to you guys as much as possible. So call in a voicemail. If you hear your voicemail in one of our episodes, I'm putting you on this little fancy spreadsheet I've got going. And at the end of the season, whether it's the end of the regular season, whether, whether it's the end of the Super Bowl, whenever the Buccaneers finish playing football, we'll take all your names. We'll put them into a digital pot. We'll swirl it up with the push of a button. It'll spit out a name, and whoever that name is that it spits out to us is going to get a $100 gift card to NFLShop.com. So please keep that in mind. Let us know how you feel about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Carolina Panthers after week two. And until we speak again, please be safe, be good, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Get done.